Good morning, everyone. How are y'all? Good? Y'all smiling? Good. Let's keep that pattern all morning long. That's going to be so good. Look at me and smile. Let me smile. There we go. Y'all have such beautiful smiles. That helps me, like an amen or a hallelujah. If I get an amen today, I'm, gonna, I'm just going to absolutely love you. I, amen. I love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. I just feel so good in my heart right now. I feel good. You know, every once in a while, every once in a while, you got to know what meat tastes like. You know what I mean? Like, as Paul would write to the Corinthians, he goes, I wish I could feed you meat, but because you're not educating, you're not learning, you're not growing, I got to keep feeding you spiritual milk so you, because you're immature. And you're not immature. I'm just, I'm just saying, I want to get you off the, the thing that provides milk a little bit and give you some meat today, all right? Is that, you all right with that? I'm going to give you some meat. And so, and, and meat, meat comes in all different types. There's filet mignon, there's, there's beef, there's skirt steak, there's, you know, ribeye, ribeyes, which is my favorite, T-bone my wife loves. I mean, I like a filet mignon every once in a while, but ribeye is where I'm going to go. I agree while we're here. Yes, might go get some of those soon. And then there's, yeah, very flank steak, you know, whatever. And then there's some lesser qualities, all those things like that. But I, I, want, I, want, you to, I want you to eat well today. I really, I really want you to take something away from this that actually can unfold and change your life completely in your family's life. And I mean in an amazing way. The only thing about it is sometimes if we've been feeding on milk, we're not sure how to digest meat. So I want to say, I'm Pastor Nathan, and I love you, and I love you, thank you, and I care for you, and every, very rarely do I, the, does the Lord lead me to give a message that is geared this way, but, but every once in a while it's just healthy and, and it helps and, it, and it's very edifying to be admonished, to be encouraged, admonished for the sake of being built up and edified. And so today I want you to take, the, take this and understand this with a grain of salt because in order to be truly blessed, because we're talking about blessed to be a blessing, in order to be truly blessed, well, I've really got to be under the one who is the blesser, right? I, I can't be blessed in and of myself. It's just not, that's just self-will, right? That, that's me doing my part and just me doing it enough, good enough. Well, that's not what God wants for his people. He hasn't wanted that for his people. He never did, and he always brought correction to the Hebrews whenever they would try to do it in and of themselves. And, and oftentimes we see in the Pauline epistles, that's the letters that Paul wrote to the church, a word of admonition, but for the sake of building up, for the sake of growth, because we all want to grow. We're spiritual people who grow on spiritual food. And the words that I'm giving you today are words of spirit. And so let me just, I just want to start with that. And so I told yesterday, Allie and I were sitting on our back porch with our little girl, Naomi. She's five years old. She just turned five and she just graduated from preschool. Yeah, yeah, preschool. That's a hard thing to watch your daughter graduate from preschool. But she took the stage like none other. Let me tell you. That girl is ready for the platform. She is not going to have any struggles leading worship in the future. I'm just looking forward to it. So I, Allie and I, I told her, I said, I caught her doing something. 
And I said, Naomi, I want to give you some words of wisdom. And she looked at me. I said, really, look at me. And she, I, and Allie, Allie said, turn on your listening ears. And so she turned on one. And, and Allie said, no, turn on both of them. And so she turned on both. So, so I want to ask you guys, turn on your listening ears, okay, this morning. And I said, Naomi, you can pick your friends. And you can pick your nose. But you can't pick your friend's nose. That's good words of wisdom, by the way. If, you, if none of you have learned that yet, you need to know that. You need to know. You can pick your friends, you can pick your nose, but just don't try to pick your friend's nose. But then I told Naomi, I have been picking her nose all her life. Literally, I have. And I really enjoy it. But I'm defeating this whole word of wisdom that I give her. So I'm not really setting a good example. But I'm going to try to set a better example for you today. So turn on your listening ears, if you will. Because I really want you to hear from a spiritual standpoint. Uh, Because it's time for the body of Christ to really just be the body of Christ and quit just being people who show up in church. So Hebrews 13, 1 and 2 says this, let brotherly love continue. Great. Yes, absolutely. Great way to be blessed. Bless others. Love one another. It says, do not forget to entertain strangers, for by so doing, some have unwittingly entertained angels. And I truly believe that. Because when God truly has your attention and he has your heart, and doing the little sacrificial things are not a big deal, it really comes where you're willing to be obedient to his voice at any moment. He uses us to not only bless others, but we're actually entertaining angels, I mean, that's God's word. It's very interesting. And we get blessed by that. Hebrews 13, 5 says, Let your conduct be without covetousness. Be content with such things as you have. For he himself has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. And that's a good promise that he will never leave me nor forsake me. Because oftentimes, when we're not content with where we're at, we forget that he's not going to leave us nor forsake us. And when we forget that, we grow to be contentious. From content to contentious. All in the gap of, oh, I forgot that my Lord will never leave me nor forsake me to be content with what I have. And what happens is we forget, we stop honoring God and his delegated authorities. And then when we do, we leave his covering into a place that's no longer safe. Still saved. It's all by grace. It's free gift. I received it. But his covering of grace is a completely different thing than the grace gift of salvation. By grace, you're saved. But to be under his grace means I need to be under his authority, his will, his ways, his word. And then we wonder why, why am I not feeling so blessed in our situations? Why am I struggling? I don't know if I belong here. I don't know if I'm loved. I just... I don't know if maybe I need, to, I, need to, I need to go somewhere else. I need to do something different. I don't know if God loves me still. Ever had those thoughts? I, I don't know. I feel so distant. And the reality is the only thing that has changed is our willingness to be under his authority, his word, his ways, his will, his desires for our life. And God loves to challenge the fact that we say We honor God and we're under his authority. And then he puts somebody in alignment for us to be under. And ooh, it messes up our flesh. Ooh, it starts to rile some things up. 
ooh, it starts to mess us up. And we wonder why we're not feeling so blessed. But so instead of searching our hearts according to the word of God, we let feelings lead us. And when feelings lead, we are going astray. Feelings are always on the, on the warpath of leading, leading us astray. The most hurtful spirits against the church function through our broken emotions. Let me say that again. The most hurtful spirits against the church function through our broken emotions. And this is why people often link up, wounded people often link up with other wounded people and they start to verbalize their contentions with somebody else that is wounded by the same thing because Satan knows the wounds that, which he, is, he has scarred you with. And he knows the things that have left to be unhealed, maybe forgiven, but unhealed. We'll talk about that in a minute. And so the contention starts to develop and one person starts to speak their contentions in their heart to this other person who is wounded as well. And all of a sudden, because they're both wounded over the same issue, struggles, ideology, or some kind of wound, then they go away and they feel like they're righteous because they have familiar wounds. And they go looking for other people with familiar wounds to speak their contentions to so that they can rally a group of people against God's ways, will, and authority. Ooh, yeah, I, that's, I love you. Emotions are great servants, but terrible masters. And how many people are being led by their emotions, not knowing that those emotions are wounded and they're allowing a contentious spirit to rule their lives? Instead of finding healing. Okay. Instead of finding healing. <laughs> And letting their emotions serve them. So everything must be brought under the word of God until we look like his word and we look like his ways. This is some meat, guys. So verse 6 says this, So we may boldly say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear what can man do to me. And oftentimes we hear that and we get a little bit arrogant and haughty in the sense of a little bit of rebellion, a little bit of division. You're like, I don't care what you have to say. What can you do to me? The Lord is with me. I ain't going to fear nothing. And that's not what it's saying. What he's actually saying is it doesn't matter if it's a good authority or a bad authority. There is nothing. If you're under authority, God will provide for you. He will protect you. He will raise you up in due time if your heart is humble to him through his authorities. There's nothing a bad authority that can do to keep you, to keep you down. You can keep yourself down under a bad authority. And there's a lot of unhealthy authorities in this house, in, in, sorry, in this, in this government. Because what happens is we've gotten so used to convicting, condemning, and have contentious heart against government, world systems, uh, city leaders, whatever the case may be. But now we've become so used to complaining, disregarding, condemning, that we don't have boundaries anymore, and we bring that into the church and our families and our businesses, and our relationships, our friendships, the social gatherings in which we go, 
and contention is leading and ruling and destroying what God is trying to put together. So it's all within the context of blessing others that we're discussing and, and allowing God's leadership, God's authority, God's ways, God's will, God's word to lead your life. Verse 7 says this, remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you whose faith followed. They're not just talking about it, they're being about it. Like you'll know that they're following God because they're living it out themselves. It'll be evident by the fruit of their life because they're considering and considering the outcome of their conduct. Are they living what they speak? And is it bearing good fruit in their lives? Well, that's something I wanna be a part of. If it's working, they figured it out and they're living according to the word of God, man, I'm gonna do that because I want my life to bear good fruit. We're gonna build on it, but leaders that are living out their convictions according to the word of God. We're talking about being blessed undercover. I almost called it undercover brother, but I didn't want you to think we're talking about undercover, like I'm hiding something, we're hiding something, we're investigators. No, we're under God's covering, and we're blessed when we're under God's covering, His spiritual authority is covering. So remember those who rule over you. So whenever my, uh, my past, I take on a mentor everywhere I go, new seasons, I try to find a mentor or two, maybe three, they have different perspectives on life, especially in the field in which I'm in. And usually they're about 10 years older than me because I know in the next 10 years, I'm gonna face some things and I need somebody with some wisdom who has already gone through that in the similar field that I'm in so that they can help me and remove some of those roadblocks. Does that make sense? Because I don't wanna have to face everything that someone else has already faced and I can just take the wisdom from them and come under them and say, hey, how did you handle this situation? I don't, have to fi- I don't have to spend all the sleepless nights trying to figure out how to get there. So I learned from the wisdom. Pastor Terry Moore at Sojourn Church is one of those mentors that I have in Carrollton, Texas. And he said, the very first meeting we had, he said, Nathan, the very first thing you need to do, no matter where you go, find as much authority as you possibly can and get under it. It is really good. Because the safest place you can be is under God's delegated authority. Because when they're out front and they're calling the shots and they're making the decisions according to what God is telling them and they're getting beat up if they get outside, you're covered no matter what because you are falling under the grace of God and under the covering. If you decide to go and do something different, abstract to what they are saying, you get beat up, it's because you got out of the covering. They've already fought the battles that have gone before you, and so they have the wisdom, the grace, and the information to pass it down along to you. So let them get beat up. But God will correct them, address them, and bring them back to alignment because they've gotten there because of their obedient hearts. All trials that we face, they are simply for one person, for a purpose, to bring us back into obedience and alignment with God's word. How did Jesus learn obedience? Through his sufferings. Through his sufferings. He says, immediately. Find some, find some covering and get under it. East Texas struggles with a strong spirit of independence and pride. Whew, yes. And I'm telling you, it's that spirit, those spirits that keep division, contention, and separation. Independence and a proud spirit. And whenever that's in existence, contentions follow. 
because everybody's right in their own eyes. To verse eight, Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Do not, no, verse nine, do not be carried about with various and strange doctrines, for it is good that the heart be established by grace. You see, an independent and a proud spirit, it, it, has, it has very little grace. Very little establishment on grace. Not with foods which have not profited. I want to tell you about that. He's not talking about literal food, a hamburger uh, from your favorite restaurant. He's talking about spiritual food which you can grow on that will profit your life. Foods which have not profited those who have been occupied with them. Let your heart be established by grace. And in a minute, in the same context, same chapter, Paul is about to, or sorry, the writer of Hebrews, rather, is about to tell us who and what this profitability is. Remember, though, when God received Abel's offering, he respected it. Remember what we said last week, he looked at it with open arms and he received it. Scripture says he respected it. That's my son. That's an obedient heart. You brought in the first. But when Cain brought in an offering over time, God didn't look at it, and he didn't receive it. That's what it says. Verse 17, the favorite, favorite words that everybody, sorry, go to Hebrews 13, 16. It says, but do not forget to do good and to share. Remember, we're talking about blessed to be a blessing. Don't forget to do good serve, use your time, talents, and treasures, and share. For which, with such sacrifices, God is well pleased. Now, I want to show you in a minute that it's not about the sacrifices. We get so focused on the sacrifices of things that God wants us to do, and really what he's getting to is an obedient heart. He uses all these things to test our obedience to test our willingness to follow his word, his ways, his will, his authority. He uses all these things that we see as to be so difficult, so challenging to our flesh, all so he can get down to one thing, obedience. Here it is, verse 17. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive. Two favorite words. Y'all's too? Obey and submissive, love it. Can't wait till I see that in the scripture. I just want to chase after that all day long. Obey those who rule over you and be submissive for they watch over your souls as those who must give an account. You know that people that God has called to lead spiritual authorities are gonna have to give an account for your souls and that they actually watch over your souls. Even when you don't know they're watching over your souls, let them do so with joy and not with grief for that would be unprofitable for you. Let me tell you how I ran up against this brick wall in my own life. Several years ago, I kept getting beat up in the sense I'm trying to do things, trying to make things happen. I feel like I'm following the Lord and I'm doing it for the Lord. I want to do the works for the Lord, but I kept getting hit upside the head in a spiritual sense and I couldn't figure out, figure out why until God brought me across this verse in Revelation. I'm like, man, I, I want my life to profit something. Anybody want to live a profitable life? I mean, yeah, right? So I thought, well, I don't want the things that I'm doing to profit nothing. I want the things that I'm doing in my heart to bring profitability to me and my family. I want it to be, bear good fruit. I want to be Psalms 1. 
I want to be the tree planted near the water. I want to be, give, be, be growing and having, see, having abundance and bearing fruit in all seasons. Well, then how does that happen? It all comes through obedience and submission and giving and, and bringing joy. The people that are leading me, let it be a joy to them. But if I'm grieving the people who are leading me, it's unprofitable. If my contentious attitudes, behaviors, and ways, my, my lack of obedience to God's word, his will, his authority, his ways are causing grief, man, it's not going to profit my life. Well, that sucks. Yeah. I, yeah. Get choked up on it, and you have to leave. <laughs> but he'll be back. <laughs> this one. All it means, what I realized in doing a word study, it said, allow yourself, allow yourself, obey. And it, literally, submission means submit, just yield. Allow yourself to do it. Did you know you can, you can obey and not be submissive? You can submit and not be obedient. Did you know that? In fact, there's, there's actually a, a, a parable in, that Jesus gives us that says that. You can, you can say, yes, I'm going to do it. Absolutely, I'm going to do it. But I ain't going to like it. I'm going to grumble the whole time. And then I'm going to tell somebody, I can't believe they had me doing that. But I can be submissive. Oh, yeah, you, uh, hey, would you go and would you mind doing this, this, and help us? Absolutely, I would love to do that. I can do that. And if there's anything else you would like for me to do, I'll do that also. But I didn't do it. Hey, did you get that? No. But you said you work, yeah. I just, other things came up. I got distracted. My phone rang. I got a text and I had to go somewhere. Did you let anybody, no. But I'm submissive, I'm mean, like, I'll do it. When? I don't know. Everybody loves that employee, by the way. <laughs> One of my oversight pastors, uh, Pastor David Vestal, he's also from Sojourn and now at Gateway. He, he, told me a couple of weeks ago, and he's told me several times over the last three years, he says, uh, Nathan, I was a retired police officer from Dallas. He goes, I've been run over. I've been shot at. I've been cussed out. And I've been spit on. But never have I gotten beat up as much as I have when I entered in the ministry. He says, sheep won't bite you and hurt you, but they'll gnaw on you until you want to cut your leg off. He's right. 1 Samuel 15, 22 says, So Samuel said, Has the Lord as great delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices? That's the fruit of things. Samuel's, Samuel was addressing Saul because Saul, God told Saul through Samuel, whenever you go and fight the Amalekites, you take everything and you destroy it. Animals, everything. But Saul said, no, I'm going to keep the best of the animals, and I'm going I'm to do the right thing. I'm going to sacrifice unto the Lord. And so the Lord tells Samuel, uh, that's not what I asked. You need to go talk to Saul about this. So Samuel said, has the Lord as great a delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as in obeying the voice of the Lord? You see, when we're willing to obey the voice of the Lord, all the sacrifices, the things that God asks us to do after that, that's not a big deal. But we get so focused on, you want me to tithe? It's a test. No, I want you to be obedient to the word of God. We get focused on, you want me to serve? No, I want you to be obedient to the word of God. It just happens to look like this and look like that and come out this way. But it all comes from a heart that's willing to hear 
believe and obey. Watch this. Behold, to obey is better than sacrifice. And to heed, this means to do, hear, believe, and obey. To do and to heed than the fat of rams. Oh, that's great, all the stuff that you, that you did sacrificially, but that's not what I was asking you to do. That's not what my word said. Oh, you want to do it your way over here? Okay. But my word says this. Next verse. It says, for rebellion is as the sin. When I do it my own way and I say, no, God, I just don't think that's right. You know why it's so easy to rebel against the word of God, especially in Henderson County? Because witchcraft is prevalent. If you don't know it, you need to know it. Because you need to know what you're up against. So that witchcraft that's causing rebellion against the word of God, his authority, his will, and his ways, oh, it's playing into that independent and proud spirit. And that, that spirit that's contentious. And no matter where it goes, it's creating contention in its environment. And it comes from a heart that's not willing to be obedient to God's ways. And stubborn. You know what stubborn means? Self-will. I see that, God, but I think if I'll do it this way, it'll probably be better. My will, not thy will. And stubborn is as iniquity. You know that's generational sin? Those are strongholds right there. That's what Bible call, the Bible calls an iniquity. It's a, it's a stronghold. It's a generational sin. Oh, you want your generations to come after you, your kids to really struggle? No problem. Just be stubborn. Just be stubborn against the word and the will of God. Just show them you don't have to honor any authorities. Oh, it'll pass down. And idolatry. And God said he will have no God before him. And that's what idolatry is, is having a God in place of God. And guess who the God is? Self-will. So God desires that we all hear, believe, and obey. And we are, when we are willing to obey, the sacrifice is no problem. God uses those things to get us to a point of obedience so that he can then grow us and utilize us as a resource to pass resources through so that he can be a blessing to others through us. But there's this thing of obedience and this independent spirit that has to get worked out and this rebellious heart that has to be removed to the point to where we're actually willing to hear him, believe him, and then obey what he's asking to do. Proverbs 6, 16. Y'all, I love you. Pastor Nathan, I love you. Hey. What's up, D? How are you, Dalton? Hey, Dalton. What's up? What's up, Keith? How are you doing? What up, Jesse? I love you. And what I'm trying to do is save your life. Because I see the struggles. I know the struggles. I'm not perfect. Let me, let me just stand here from a place of this is not self-righteousness. But it's time to eat some meat, church. It's time to live on spiritual meat and get off, get off the milk. And I don't want you to leave with your feelings hurt. But boy, I sure wouldn't want you to leave here and not realize, man, he, he really cared for me. He finally told me the truth. Proverbs 6, 16, 19 says, These six things the Lord hates, yes, seven are an abomination to him. 17, a proud look, <laughs> lying tongue, 
hands that shed innocent blood, a heart that devises wicked plans, feet that are swift to running to evil, a false witness who speaks lies. No one would ever do that. And one who sows discord among the brethren. And the church? What? Not, no one would ever sow discord in the church, would they? No, come on. What believers don't realize is that when we participate in these things, we are actually advocates of lawlessness. And the son of lawlessness is on the rise in our generation. And if you can't see it, when they're defunding the police, it's not people, it's a spirit behind it. Why? To promote lawlessness. When they're trying to disarm the public, the citizens. That's not people, it's not a party, it's a spirit. It's promoting lawlessness. And when the church does any of these things, sowing discord, lawlessness. So let me give you 10 destructive actions that affect our blessings, that take us out from under the covering. Number one is a lying tongue. Proverbs 12, 22. Lying lips are an abomination to the Lord. That's pretty strong. But those who deal truthfully are his delight. Abomination means they're detestable. The root word of this is idolatry. Boy, it's strong. Yes, like leaving the throne of God and worshiping at the throne of Satan. It's leaving the throne of truth and it's going over to the throne of lies. Because God is not, does not just speak truth, he is truth. And anything that does not reflect truth is adverse to our God. Therefore, it's an abomination and it's idolatry because we're leaving the righteous throne and going to the unrighteous throne, promoting lawlessness from order. Number two is sowing discord. Proverbs 6, 12, and 15. A worthless person, a wicked man, walks with a perverse mouth. Notice how your works follow your words. Let me say that again. Your works, the things that you do, follow your words. So many people are trying to change their works, but if you just change your words, your works will follow. 13, he winks with his eyes. He shuffles with his feet, always running around, trying to get stuff done behind the scenes. He points with his finger. Perversity is in his heart. Notice where it starts. This is what Jesus said, too. What's in your heart will come out of your mouth. And when it starts to come out of your mouth, you start doing it because the boundaries are gone. The boundaries of God's word, his authority, his will, his desires, his ways, they're gone because instead of confronting it in my heart and submitting it to his word, his, his ways, I start speaking it. And at that moment, boundaries are blown out. And now the things that I'm speaking, I begin to do. I don't know where it all started. Perversity is in his heart. He devises evil continually. He sows discord. And here's what happens to someone who sows discord. Verse 15, therefore, his calamity shall come suddenly. Suddenly, he shall be broken without remedy. And notice 
that people who sow discord, they reap calamity. Notice that the, the law, the principle of sowing and reaping. And when you hear someone sowing disharmony and division amongst the brethren, be careful that you don't get stung with them because they are about to reap discord in their own lives. And it will come suddenly and it will come in a calamitous way. So don't be someone who's sowing discord among the brethren. This even happens when you are listening to someone's discord, and after having listened to their discord, you don't bring unity back to the body. Because what you're doing is you're giving that discord a listening ear, and that discord, that heart of discord, thinks that it's being validated because it's not being corrected. And that heart of discord goes away thinking, I've done right. And you're equally as guilty for sowing discord because you didn't bring unity to the body. You allowed the discord to continue. Because it's not the leadership's responsibility to, to, to correct that. It's the saints, equally the saints' responsibility to draw unity. How sweet it is to the, to the Lord when brothers... Sisters, dwell in unity. You know who controls that? Each saint, each brother, each sister. And scripture calls you saint. Do it in such a way that it doesn't bring grief, but let it be joy so that it be profitable. In these days, it's somewhat popular for people to say, you know, I just want accountability. Can we just meet together and have accountability? And people are okay with accountability, but they're not okay with correction. You ever notice that? They want to be told, hey, th this wasn't right, but don't go tell them what they should have done. Now you cross the line. Now, now they're offended. They ask for accountability, but they don't want correction. So if you're sowing discord and disunity, then discord and disunity will come back around to you. Number three, gossip, spreading intimate or private rumors or facts betraying confidence. And a lot of times we think that gossip is just telling rumors, spreading some things. But gossip is also revealing intimate facts about another person's life to a person who does not need to know. It's it's taking information that you got from one and it's going and spreading it to another, betraying the confidence of the one who was sharing with you. If it doesn't help, heal, or bring hope, then we shouldn't be discussing it without subject parties present. Here's how you shut that down. Hey, wait a minute. So-and-so probably wouldn't like it if we were talking about them. So why don't, we, why don't we not unless they're here? Because it's the same. If I'm giving gossip a listening ear, then I'm validating the heart of the gossiper, and the gossiper will go around continuing to gossip about others. And let me tell you something, if they're going to gossip to you, they're going to gossip about you. Proverbs 20, 19, a gossip betrays confidence, so avoid anyone who talks too much. Oh, they come around talking. Paul, 2 Corinthians 12, 20. Paul had to address the church. It was a similar situation like this. 
He says, for I am afraid that when I come, I might not find you as I want you to be. And he says, uh, and you may not find me as you want me to be. <laughs> it's going to get real. What he's saying is, hey, I'm going to write you a letter so that you can go ahead and address these things within you so that when I come, it won't get ugly. And he says, I fear there may be discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, slander, gossip, arrogance, and disorder. I mean, I'm just thinking it might be. I don't know. It could be. I'm just going to write a letter ahead of me just in case. If it is there, let's get rid of it. You see how politely he said that? You may not like me the way I come. You can just shut it down. Number four, talebearing is very similar to it. Proverbs eleven thirteen: a talebearer reveals secrets, but he who is faithful, is of a faithful spirit, conceals a matter. Isn't that beautiful? Don't we want to be faithful? Have a spirit that is just full of faith. You know what that looks like? Concealing matters of others. It looks like zip it and lock it and put it in your pocket. Very simple, very simple. So if somebody starts to gossip, hey, 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 zip it and lock it and put it in your pocket. Very kind, there you go. We may be of age, but we're still young at heart. Proverbs eleven thirteen. Often people do this, though, in the name of prayer. Oh, did you know about Sister Stacy? Yes, she's been to all this stuff. Pray with us because she's going through this and doing that, and this has been happening. And I just noticed that from the outside looking in, she hadn't said anything, but here's what I'm seeing is going on, and I think it's this, this, and this. Would you pray with me over her? Oh, you know what? I got to go. I've got to, so I got an appointment I have to be at. But be praying, be praying. Now you go and spread a bunch of stuff and never got to the praying part. So it really wasn't about prayer. It was about spreading other people's junk, right? James 5.16 says that confess your faults one to another and pray for one another so that you be healed. Now we go to God in confession for forgiveness. We go to others in confession to pray so that we can be healed. How many believers are walking around forgiven, but they haven't found healing? The reason is they can't trust others that they won't gossip when they bring their faults to them so that they can be prayed for and find healing. So we got a beat up body of Christ that's jumping from place to place when their wounds start to speak and their broken emotions are starting to speak louder than the voice of God. I don't belong. I don't love that. They don't love me or God doesn't love me. I'm so distant because they couldn't find a place or a people that they could share their faults with to pray with so finally they can be healed. And so oftentimes we blame the church for situations in reality. When we do, we better have that mirror in the face. Knowledge of, as well of something or someone is power. And character is knowing, is having power and using it wisely. And this is why so many believers will live their life without power because they don't have the character to sustain it. Number five is slander. 
a false and malicious statement or report about someone. And we do this all the time. Hey, did you hear about this? Did you hear about, did you, did you see that clip online? What, how do you know that? I saw it online. I saw it on Facebook. It must be true. I saw it. Don Bongino showed it. <laughs> I like watching. He's funny. But I also think, do you know the context? Not necessarily. Do you, the conversation that is being spread to you, do you know the full context of what's being disclosed? Or do you have a little snippet? And what, what the gossip or the slander or the word is being bought, bought, brought to you on is a, a, a snippet. Said this before, said it recently. Have you ever been into a, a heated discussion, not an argument, a heated discussion with someone close to you and they're already thinking about what they're gonna say to you without listening to what you're actually saying and they interrupt the paragraph with one sentence and they address the one sentence rather than the paragraph and they think you're accusing them of one thing and you're trying to explain the whole thing. If, I'm gonna let y'all think about it for a minute. It's amazing how easily we are willing to slander someone without first-hand knowledge. There it is again. Three for three. Psalms 140, 11. at least it wasn't you, Jesus. Hey, he's off the line. Psalm 140, 11. Y'all didn't know Jesus came in, did y'all? Jesus is in the room. Let not a slanderer be established in the earth. Dang, evil, let evil hunt the violent man. No wonder it feels like I'm getting beat up. I got slander coming out of my mouth from my heart, and now I'm outside the covering. Proverbs 10, 18, who, he, and whoever spreads slander, he's a fool. 1 Corinthians 5, 11, but now I'm writing you, that you must not associate with anyone who claims to be a brother or sister, but is, what a great group to be a part of, sexually immoral, greedy, and idolater. Remember, rebellion, self-will is an idolater, or a slanderer, a, drunken, a drunkard, or a swindler. What a great group to be mixed up with. wonder why it's not profitable in my life. What does he say after that? Don't even eat with such people. Because again, in giving ear to what they're saying, it influences you and it won't be long because you didn't shut it down and bring unity according to the word of God that you're going to be doing the same thing. Let's move on. Number six, cursing. Romans 3, 13, 14. Their throat, it was Romans, their throat is an open tomb with their tongues. They have practiced deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. Verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. You notice where cursing comes from? It's just evidence of a bitter, bitter heart. And you know why they call cursing, cursing? Because life and death are in the power of the tongue. And when you speak it, you're not only cursing the individual or the situation or the thing, you're speaking curses into the environment, into the atmosphere, and it's looking for a place to land. 
because you have the breath of the creator of the universe inside of you. And you have the power of the blood of Jesus over you. And if you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, you've got the empowering grace of the Holy Spirit working in you. It's powerful. Psalms 109, 17, 18. And by the way, when you were cursing, we're, we're damning things. And what this word damn is in the Bible comes from condemnation. It's about eternal damnation. Why would, why would why do we damn our place of business? Why would we damn our marriages? Why would we damn our checkbooks? They have enough problems of their own, right? 109.17, as he loved cursing, so let it come to him. As he did not delight in blessing, so let it be far from him. As he clothed himself with cursing, as with his garment, so let it enter his body like oil, I mean, like water and like oil into his bones. What he's saying is water and oil don't mix, and neither do blessings and cursings. So if you're going to curse, curses are going to come back upon you, and blessings are going to be far from you. So you're going to be out from under the covering and protection of God, and you're, going to, you're not going to be able to be blessed because you're cursed. Number seven, blasphemy. Exodus 20 and 7. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Dang, so he's saying you're, you're going to be held guilty. But there's two ways we can do this. One, we all think, oh, yeah, I know what it is, saying that GD word. My grandfather had an oil business, several oil businesses, and you got a rough group of people, the roughnecks. They've got a rough crowd that works there, and he had one rule. I understand you might cuss, but if you ever take the, name, the Lord's name in vain and say the GD word, you're fired on the spot. And we know that one. But the church does the second one. The second one is this. Taking the Lord's name in vain is like playing the God card. Want to whip it out anytime it's convenient, say, well, God didn't tell me to do that. Well, God told me to do this. We're taking it in vain, using God's name to do what we want. It's vanity. We didn't tell you to do nothing. God's word's living and active. Oh, he's telling you. Not hearing. Not believing. We're not putting feet to it. So we use the God card. God didn't tell me. Well, God told me to do this. Did he? Jeremiah says this. Don't say that the Lord says when the Lord has not said. That's blaspheming his name. Number eight. Filthy language. If cursing didn't cover all, all of it, we're going to get it right here in filthy language. Colossians 3.8 says, But now you yourselves are to put off all these, anger, wrath, malice. I mean, notice the group that's continual in this. Blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Because when it comes out of your mouth, it's because it's in your heart. And then it becomes, again, the works in which you work. It becomes the very things that you're trying to stop doing because it's not being confronted in your heart. And guys, let me tell you, uh, you think, so many think, well, I can, I can watch that video or I can, I can poke around with these jokes. 
But, but allowing filthy language and filthy talk and filthy jokes to exist in your environment stirs up lust in your heart. And when lust is stirred up, you don't know how to confront it and overcome the sins which come out of the lust of the heart. And it's all because the filthy language is not being extinguished in the moment it is being experienced. So to man up, let me challenge you, at work or wherever it is, and people want to start having that talk, you tell them, hey, I'm not going to listen to that talk. You can talk that talk that you want to talk when I'm not around, but when I'm around, I don't want to hear it. And guess what's going to happen when you man up and step up for the word of God? When that individual or those individuals are going through a rough time, guess who they're going to call? The one who stood up. Because they don't have a way out. But they're going to assume the one that's willing to obey the word of God does have a way out. And it takes a tough time, a difficult situation for a man to be humble beyond his own self-will and rebellious heart. Contentious speech, number nine. Hurtful, hateful, I love you. Y'all smiling? John, come on, give me that smile. There, come on. Contentious speech, hurtful, hateful, malicious, disagreeable, or argumentative speech. Proverbs 21, nine. Better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. Mm, hallelujah. Don't say this next one. Here we go. Proverbs, come on, next one. Give it to us. Proverbs 26, 21. Men, we're not off the hook as charcoal is to burning coals and wood to fire. So is a contentious man to kindle strife. It's whenever you go around looking for an argument, like you can't battle me. I'm going to win this argument. and I'm going to have the last word. Or this house be damned. That's the attitude behind a contentious heart. Always looking for an argument. And what's happening is you're, con you're stirring up a contentious spirit within. And don't you try dare try to get into an argument with me. I will have you crying by the end of it. Just for the sake of winning the argument. Oh yeah. It's real. Number 10, the worst of them all unbelief you think well how can that be how can the, the, there be a worse than all those other nine unbelief hebrews 3 12 13 says beware brethren lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living god remember if it's in your heart it's going to come out of your mouth and then it's going to be the works in which you work verse 13 but exhort one another daily while it is called today, lest any of you be hardened through the deceitfulness of sin. We see here, though, that sin is not the core issue. Do you see what the core issue is? The core issue is unbelief. It's a lack of obedience. It's a lack of willingness to obey and submit to God's will, his ways, and his authority. I don't know why I keep sinning. I don't know why I keep doing these things over and over and over. I don't know why I keep having these hangups. It points to unbelief. I don't know why contention is in my heart. I don't know why I keep lying. I don't know why I keep sowing discord everywhere I go. I don't know why I can't stop gossiping. Juicy, those details. I just want everybody to know unbelief. Hebrews 13, 17 
says, let them do so with joy and not with grief. For that would be unprofitable. You know that what we're doing when we're living out these ten detestable things? Causing grief. And because we're grieved in our own hearts, we're only content with contention and the grief of others. But when I want my life to be profitable, and I'm willing to take a stand for it, I'm going to deliver joy. And those who are leading me are going to find a lot of joy. And those who are around me are going to find a lot of joy. And what happens is God says, that's a person I can trust. Because they're willing to be in alignment, I can advance them in their assignment. And I can pour the grace that's necessary upon their life because they're willing to be blessed undercover. Worship team, would y'all come up here? Today is Communion Sunday, and so you can take this delicious package of bread and grape juice. And I know it's a hard word, but I'm telling you, this is the best thing that you could hear. Because you can hear all the glorious things about how good you are. But until you realize, here's some things that really have to be overcome, and they're actually causing a hindrance in the body of Christ, you'll never be able to get to the place where you're truly living that fulfilled life. So many times, we're focused on the assignment. I'm called to do this. I should be doing this. Here's where I need to be. This is what God made me for. This is my purpose, really. Well, guess what's going to bless that? Here's my assignment. Well, I need to be in alignment. And it's the authority that God has given you, his authority, that we need to be aligned with. Jesus said some very difficult things in John 56, John 6 rather. John 6, 56 says, he who eats my flesh and drinks my blood abides in me. What he's saying is, now this is an example of the body of Christ, the, the manna from heaven. And we know that Jesus was the word, and the word became flesh. So what he's saying is, I want you to abide in my word. Because when you're willing to abide in my word and stop the rebellion, stop the self-will, then I'm going to abide in you. That means I'm going to take up space. I'm going to house within. I'm going to dwell within you. I'm going to leave you fulfilled in all things. Because you're taking of my word. It's abiding in you. Verse 57 says, As the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who feeds on me will live because of me. Verse 58, This is the bread which came down from heaven, not as your fathers ate the manna and are dead. He who eats this bread will live forever. Man, he's given you so many spiritual truths about his word, his life, following him. Verse 60, therefore many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a hard saying. 
what I said today is hard because you've been on spiritual milk and you just got forced over to some spiritual meat. Oh, but it's so hard. That's exactly what the disciples were saying to Jesus when he was saying, hey, would you just abide by my word? Verse 61, when Jesus knew in himself that his disciples complained about this, he said to them, does this word offend you? Did you get offended today during church? Verse 63, it is the spirit who gives life. The flesh profits nothing. The words that I speak to you are spirit and they are life. We are spirit beings and God's word revives us, causes us to thrive. Verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe for Jesus knew from the beginning who they were who did not believe and who would betray him. Number 10, unbelief. Verse 65, and he said, therefore I have said to you that no one can come to me unless it has been granted to him by the Father. Verse 66, John 6, 6, 6. Oh, this ought to be good. From that time, many of his disciples went back and walked with him no more. It's just too hard. Jesus, it's too hard to follow you. You want me to abide by your word? You want me to get rid of that independent and proud spirit? You want me to stop contention? Shut down gossip? Not let the person who's sowing discord sow discord? Lying? You want me to put a stop to that? Slander? Just a little bit? Hard. I'm offended. And then he said to his other disciples, do you also want to go away? Because so many people walk away from Jesus because of the word. They get offended at the voice, the mouthpiece for the word of God walk away because the church is not good. Sowing discord. Slandering. Leaving from the God, the throne of God for another throne. Hebrews 4.12 For the word of God is living and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit. That's the war right there. What I want to do with what he wants to do. And the word of God severs the two so that we spiritual beings can look into our souls and realize, wait a minute, that doesn't line up with the word of God and do differently. And of the joints and marrows and is a discerner of the thoughts and intentions of the heart. When we read the word of God and we come in and we listen to the word of God, all of a sudden our intentions and our hearts are being put in check. There's a discerning that happens with the word, but I want this, 
and here's my intentions. But God's word just cuts right through that and says, you got a line across and you got to decide, is this about you or is this about his will? So Father, thank you so much for giving us your word who became flesh and you gave such a beautiful picture in the Old Testament through the manna from heaven. So Father, may we choose this day to find repentance from these detestable things that are destroying your church, Big C Church. Because of the work of the enemy that has taken place in the hearts of your people. Let us choose this day to no longer abide in that which creates contention and discord and flee it for the throne of God and the bread of life and your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Let's take of the bread. Today is Pentecost Sunday. It's a day when 50 days after, that's what penty means, just means 50. A day when the Holy Spirit fell on 120 that were united. Key word. United for one cause, one purpose, in prayer, in worship. And the Holy Spirit just fell upon them. And when I see the grape juice or the wine, the symbolism, I see the wine of the Holy Spirit that wants to be poured out upon us. And I think about the first miracle in Cana. When Jesus said, it's not my time yet, but he turns water into wine, telling us, and the, the leader of the, of, the, of the wedding ceremony says, hey, you kept the best for last. Boy, let me tell you the season that that means. Because it goes from the river of living water to the best, the falling, the coming of the Holy Spirit, the best is in the last season. What the Holy Spirit wants to do, be magnified. The, the His best, it wasn't spent in the 120, on the 120. The best is for the last. And do you know who the last is? When we got lawlessness rising up, when we got things of this world that are happening in the way that they're happening, do you know what the last generation, who they are? Oh, let me tell you, we're at the wedding and the bridegroom, he's coming for his bride. And let me tell you the best wine, the most, the, the best of what the Holy Spirit wants to do is going to happen in our season. But it's not going to happen when we're disobedient and we're sitting in the throne of lies. But a people who are willing to be obedient to God's word without having to understand it, and I don't mean mindless slaves, I mean people who have a humble heart willing to submit to the word of God and what he wants and what he really wants to do in this season without strife, without contention, without discord, without lying, gossip, tailbearing, without unbelief, just wholeheartedly sold out for the will of God. Oh, the best of the wine is gonna be poured out. So thank you, Lord. Because when Peter went around and the, the Holy Spirit would fall, 
their, their conviction to, prior to that was, what do we do? We repent. We get baptized. And we receive the promise of the Holy Spirit that is not just for us, but it's for our children and those who are far off. Oh, I don't want to sow seeds of iniquity and self-will and stubbornness through idolatry. I want to I wanna do the will of the Father because I want to see the best wine to be poured out on my family, my generation, and my church. And in Jesus' mighty name we pray. Amen. I know it was long. Forgive me. If you need prayer for anything, I want to encourage you to stand up. My prayer team will ask you to come forward. If you need prayer for anything, listen, we confess, we repented, we confessed to the Father for forgiveness. But Scripture says that we need to confess our faults one to another, pray for one another so that we find healing. So let me just put that together. Don't walk out of here wounded still yet forgiven. I love you, Pastor Nathan. And I'm just trying to save your life. Let's worship.